What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Two Box Sports Podcast. Coming to you with some heavy hearts tonight. Um, our beloved Memphis Grizzlies season is over. It was ended the other night in tragic fashion. Lots of moving parts after the end of the season. And so tonight, Uncle Buck and I are going to do a deep dive on our beloved Memphis Grizzlies. And so with that, I'm going to welcome him into the podcast. Uncle Buck, thanks for being here tonight, sir. What's up, Buckets? It's glad. Uh, I, I'm glad that it's Wednesday, and I'm glad that I'm here to do another podcast with you. Uh, it is truly one of the highlights of my week every week. It's something I look forward to. Uh, quick question for you. As you know, we've talked about you just introed the Grizzlies into their season in Game 6 in Los Angeles on Friday night. So my just quick question for you, with if you were to lose – and your season is over, would you rather get blown out by 40 or lose a close one? That's hard. That's tough, man. Cause the four, I, I honestly, I'd rather lose a close one. I'd rather get my heart broke that way. Cause losing by 40 is embarrassing, especially when I poke bears, like all the backstory to it. I would rather lose a close one, know that we were competitive and in it. I, I, I'm not about getting blown out. Yeah. I would rather lose by 40. Ugh, no and, I'm talking about just in general, like you can take this year as the exception if you want to, you know, maybe I would have rather not gotten beat this year because of all the antics and the talk by the uh, world famous WWE wrestler <laughs> Dylan Brooks. But just in general, when it comes to processing a loss and grieving the end of the season, that got started pretty early in that game. You know, we've lost games in dramatic fashions that end the season before, but yeah. looking back on it in, 10 years when you talk about the 22-23 Memphis Grizzlies season, you're not going to think about game six in, in Los Angeles. Yeah. You know, Just the same way you don't think about game six against Oklahoma City when Zach Randolph punched Steven Adams. Oh, I you, think about that or, one a lot. <laughs> well, you, I'm sorry. You don't think about game seven of that series. You think about game six. You know, For me, others, yeah. other points of that series will stick out more than, than the 40-point loss on Friday night. Uh, now, nah, man, I think the you know thirty-five to nine first quarter really stings. The forty-point loss to the Lakers, who just I cannot stand. Game <sighs> four, game four was a chance to get it to two-two and make a best out of three series, and you give up, you take the lead with six seconds to go. Yeah. You're up by seven with two minutes to go. You're up by two with six seconds to go, and LeBron ties it. I mean, that's the one that I'll remember. Yeah. So that was just my quick question. I know you've got some things you want to get to, so I don't want to hold us here. But no, I was I was genuinely curious, what is the best way to cleanse your palate? Because the palate got cleansed pretty quick for me. Like I was able to put a pin in the se- in the in the season a lot easier after a forty point loss, knowing that I mean you can't really say anything other than they were better than us. Yeah, I mean you know we'll get to it here in a little bit. Like you said, we talk about some of the. Uh... Memphis Grizzlies as we get into their the end of the year and <clears throat> player evaluation, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, but first, speaking of, you know, one of the biggest happenings, and we'll just kind of lead right off, um, is the departure of the future WWE or Shanghai Shark superstar <laughs> Dylan Brooks, who has left the Memphis Grizzlies in very dramatic fashion. And so we'll deep dive in on, on it in just a little bit. But those of you who know, Shane has uh, dropped a bomb, got a chance bomb that Dylan is under no circumstances coming back to the Memphis Grizzlies. And we'll get our thoughts on the way that was handled or worded and what we think actually happened. But it got me thinking, Drew, 
he was our villain, right? He was our bad boy. He was our heel, if you will, much like you would see in WWE, WWF for those of us a little bit older, and in Hollywood as well. So with our villain being gone now, obviously onto greener pastures, whatever those may be, and 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 God, I hope he ends up in the East because if he comes back to Memphis, that's gonna be ugly. But it got me thinking, who would you say is your favorite or couple favorite Hollywood villains? If you had to list some of your favorite ones, who would they be and why? Well, the first one that popped in my head is because the Batman, the uh the three Batman movies that came out when I was in high school, Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, those are the pinnacle of Batman movies in my opinion. I was Absolutely. too I was too young for the Jack Nicholas and the uh um, what's his name? Uh, yeah, yeah, George Clooney, Val Kilmer, Michael Keaton, which yeah, Michael Keaton's Keaton. the second best Batman right. of all time. Or so I was too young, really, for those. But to me, the two best villains in comic books are the Joker, Heath Ledger's Joker, and Bane mm. from Dark Knight Rises. Absolutely. Um, and I'm a big comic book movie fan. I'm not, mm. I'm, I'm the uh. I'm not the full nerd, you know, I'm, I'm the guy that probably comic book lovers hate the most because I love the movies and never read the comics, <laughs> but, uh, Thanos is up there, you mm-hmm. know? And so, uh, yeah, those are probably my favorite, uh, TV show wise. I love breaking bad. And so mm-hmm. if you want to call Walter White, AKA Heisenberg, a villain, yeah. the, uh, the anti-hero, if you will. Right. Yeah. The anti-hero, uh, he's up there. So that that's mine. Do you have any that just come off the top of your head? Yeah. So you you know I, <clears throat> obviously thought about Bane and the Joker and um uh, you know those were some of the first ones that come to my mind. But I had a couple off the beaten path. You know for some of our older listeners, Hannibal Lecter was a great villain yeah. back in the in in the day. In Silence of the Lambs. Silence of the Lambs. Uh, Anthony Hopkins did a great job there. For me, one of my all-time favorite movies is Gladiator with Russell Crowe and Joaquin right. Phoenix as Commodus was a phenomenal. But he just right. I hated him so much um, growing up watching that movie exactly with the thumb, man. Like, just what an evil dude. And then stabs Russell Crowe before their fight to even the playing field. Just a right. A, he was a, he was an awesome heel. Yeah. All of these people are much better heels than Dylan Brooks. Yeah. <laughs> I agree because Dylan, man, we'll get into it in a minute, but Dylan had some moments and there were times where he would frustrate you because you'd like him and then you'd hate him the next game. And right. these guys were true heels and you hated him from the jump. You know, Thanos was never a good guy. Commodus was never a good guy. Hannibal Lecter was out there eating people, you know, right. honorable mentions of uh, for our, our Star Wars fans out there. You got Darth Vader's obviously an all time uh, villain. Oh, maybe. Um shoot um hans gruber mm. is an all-time diehard yep. anthony rickman hans gruber alan yeah. rickman yeah yep um uh, voldemort from harry potter we've had also some... alan rickman oh yeah exactly no i'm so sorry maybe... he was snape he was snape i'm, off, right. my, was I'm snape. off my harry That's potter right. game yep. tonight um but yeah i mean obviously some great villains loki is another one in some of the marvel universes it's yeah. a good villain um he he's he you know what he is a good comparison to Dylan Brooks because day to day, movie to movie, he may be bad or he may be awesome. Yeah. You know, he may have a soul and play as a team, or he may attack the world with an <laughs> army of aliens. That's you know? it. You never know. <laughs> He's yeah. hot and cold, man. Yeah, he is. He, there is no in between, and you never know what it's going to be day to day. 
Yeah. Maybe we'll save the world and stab his brother in the back the next day. Yeah, in the very next movie. Um, maybe we get to our Grizzlies talk here in a little bit. We'll see if we can make some uh, some comparisons with the Grizz players and Marvel characters. That might be fun. Ooh. <clears throat> All right. So just kind of warming our, ourselves up with that talk. Let's get into what was the NFL draft. A lot of big happenings opening night. There's some really cool moments, some big trades. It started off like they didn't – the Carolina Panthers did not overthink it. Drafting Bryce Young was the right move. He's the best quarterback in the draft. It filled their need that they needed at that at the quarterback position, and it was a smart pick. I mean, they didn't overthink it. They picked the best player at number one. Yeah, they did, and it's the player that I said all football season, or as for as long as that we were recording this podcast, that I would take number one. The other guys may have more upside, but at the number one pick, you've got to avoid downside, mm-hmm. and he's also got just as much upside mm-hmm. as the other ones. And so, yeah, they didn't overthink it. Uh, unfortunately for Rebel fans, that probably doesn't mean anything good for Matt Corral, who was drafted there last year. Yeah. You can roll your eyes if you want to. He was an absolute legend at Ole Miss. Well, he was no, incredible. No doubt now, but okay, I just so quit rolling he, he your was eyes. not next in line to play in Carolina. Yes, he was. There were two quarterbacks there. Was he, though? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I theoretically, he, he was. was. Ne- I'm not going to say he's next in line as the second coming, but he was the backup. I mean, I mean theoretically, yeah, by proxy. No, that's not theoretically. Year. That's a well, fact. He was not going to see a single minute next year. They were going to bring in somebody. Okay, you can speculate if you want to, but <laughs> they did draft him last year. And so, and it really came with an extra kick to the stomach because uh, Matt Corral then gave up his number to Bryce Young. Mm-hmm. And so Bryce Young will wear number nine, and Matt Corral will go back to his college number of number two. And so he is squarely third string because they did bring in Andy Dalton this year. And so, no, I didn't have any high aspirations of Matt Corral starting a game this year. But as you see with teams every single year, you get down to your second and third string guys, and a lot of times they make the most out of it. Look at P.J. Walker for that whole that team, that very team. Yeah. You know, he was a XFL guy who got signed to a roster. And before you knew it, because of injuries, he got his shot and he made the most of it. Played well. And so that's all I, that's all I want for Matt. I know he, he was a fourth-round pick. He fell. But I know the guy that I watched and the heart that he's got and the toughness that he's got and the mm-hmm. attitude. Um, he'll make somebody happy one day if he gets a shot. And that just that's all I want. I want him to be somewhere where he gets a shot. Well, it won't be next year because that belongs to Bryce Young out of the University of Alabama. <laughs> no, barring injury, I right? Mean, you can't expect him to get a real shot. No. You know? Yeah, and so, yep. So first overall went, and then number two went right as expected. The Texans took a quarterback with C.J. Stroud. Was and, that expected? And, well, because they were going to take a quarterback. They needed a quarterback, man. Davis yep. Mills is not the answer out there. They did an incredible job of masking it, though, because all the week of the draft, they were defensive line heavy you know it was will anderson or uh tyree wilson that's all i saw the week of the draft and they took cj stroud and credit i saw this on uh daniel jeremiah nfl networks guy uh on his latest on his last mock draft he picked it he picked uh bryce young one cj stroud two 
Andy picked the Texans trading up to three. I saw to that. Take Will Anderson. I saw that. But even on this podcast last week, when I was reading off the mock draft, they had CJ Stroud going second overall on ESPN and CBS to the Texans. The surprise was D'Amico and them giving up a fair amount to trade back up and get Will Anderson. But, you know, D'Amico Ryan's former All-American Alabama, Will Anderson, former All-American in Alabama. And that those two guys are going to be impact players next year for the Houston Texans to make them a lot better. Just yeah, right like off the jump. I really did. And so four went with a surprise at quarterback. Yep. Props to the Indianapolis Colts. They've got a new head coach, a new GM, and they they leaked out Will Levis for weeks. Will Levis isn't getting past four. Will Levis isn't getting past four, only to take Anthony Richardson from Florida, which was a stunner. And for Patrick Jones, our buddy and massive Colts fan, it was like he won the dang lottery that they went with Richardson over Will Levis. Yeah. I, you know, obviously he's got the most potential. He's got the most upside. He's very raw. He's very, he's very unpolished. He's got a lot of things to work on, but if he can figure it out, keep his athleticism. I mean, really the sky's the limit with Anthony Richardson because we got such a small sample size at Florida and what we got was good, not great, but he didn't get a ton of reps, and so a ton of reps in an NFL system might make him out to be a great quarterback. Do I think he's going to be an all-pro second coming of a, of a early career Cam Newton? I don't think so, but you never know, man. Again, the, the potential is there because of the athleticism, and the guy is no doubt he has a monster arm. Yeah, I mean, you can make you can hope that he turns into Cam Newton, but that's best-case scenario. You yeah. know, Cam was the best pros, best college player I've seen in my lifetime. And what helps him is being able to turn around and hand the ball to Jonathan Taylor. And they've got some decent young receivers, and that's going to help that team a lot. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, that's three teams, three out of the three teams that picked the first four picks of the draft. All three of them took a quarterback, and all three of them will start week one. Yep. You're going to get a good look. And we did not see a quarterback for a hot minute, which we'll get into that more in a minute. But. After that, kind of stayed, you know, true to stock. I thought Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois was a good pick by the Seahawks. That guy's a ball hawk. He can, he's sideline to sideline, a great player. Lord buddy Lauren Massey had a lot of positive things to say about him, and um, uh, he's just that next great Seattle DB that's going to step right in and play next year. I could not tell you the first thing about him. That's I asked. I asked Lauren. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Um, a couple of other big picks. Uh, we'll kind of round out the top 10 while we're going. Paris Johnson went early to Arizona. Most people had him going like that 10-11 pick, maybe Chicago, maybe Tennessee, um, but went early to the Cardinals. The guy's an athletic freak, just a, right. a monster left tackle and will be a great player to protect Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray's not going to be able to see over him because Paris Johnson is 6'7", but he can protect him. Well, you know, you got to you gotta have them knees bent and your waist bent, you know, if you're going to play offensive line. So hopefully that'll give him at least some able to, you know, Drew Brees tiptoe his way over the line, you know. <laughs> That's right. Um, uh, Tyree Wilson, a guy that I was high on last week, went to the Raiders at seven. Just a, a, a high motor, high potential guy to Texas and, Tech. And, of course, the Raiders take the guy with character issues. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth, man. Yeah. <laughs> and to me – the the team that made the most waves in the draft and you're getting to them are the Eagles mm-hmm. with uh they got both uh, Georgia Georgia linebackers mm-hmm. and so I mean they're just going to be loaded at defense yeah. 
Absolutely, man. And they were already a good defensive team, but you add Jalen Carter and later Nolan Smith, who fell because of that peck injury. But guy is a player, is a three down linebacker. He can he's great in coverage. He can rush the quarterback. Um, really a solid defender. And now it's just they're calling Philadelphia Athens North because right. they drafted, you know, Jordan Davis last year and then big Jalen Carter this year. And um I mean, Philly's doing the right things, picking the best players off the best defense in college football. I mean it really doesn't have to be that hard, you no. know. <laughs> if you're everybody is picking college players and Georgia had the best defense in the world. Yeah. And so if you want defense, that's first call I'd make would be to right, Absolutely. Smart. And you know, speaking of he's got some character issues, he's got the pending legal trouble with that fatal wreck he was involved with while at Georgia, but um if all that goes away or is handled, they got a steal at the ninth pick, man. That is uh, right. he fell a long way for the talent that he has, for sure. Um, the, the one we didn't talk about, probably the biggest splash in the top 10 was the Atlanta Falcons, who had a 1,000-yard rusher last year in to- Tyler Allgaier uh, out of BYU, turned around and drafted B. John Robinson from Texas this year. And the guy's a great running back, but that's early for a running back. And you've already got a 1,000-yard rusher. I feel like you had more needs there, especially with a guy like Jalen Carter and some offensive linemen on the board. That's awful early for a running back. It's the first time since Saquon Barkley that a running back was taken in the top ten. Yeah. And so, it's a sw- – I mean, you see what Saquon is. Saquon's great. Uh, Saquon's also missed a year and a half with knee injuries. Yep. And so, at the tenth pick, then you kind of – No, no, this was the eighth pick. Or the eighth pick. I'm sorry. I was thinking top ten. But mm-hmm. with the eighth pick, you know, it's a swing and a miss. I mean, maybe you get prime Saquon or maybe you get injury-plagued Saquon – and for a team, too, the reason why I don't think running backs are typically smart moves at the top of the draft is because teams that are typically at the top of the draft aren't ready to win now. Mm-hmm. And running backs' lifespans in are the short. NFL are so short that by the time you get ready to win, there's a lot of miles on those tires. Most running backs, the average NFL running back career, I think it's somewhere around like 2.2 or 2.3 years. It's not like it's a long shelf life. and it's. But even tough. if you're talking – even if you're giving him the benefit of the doubt, since he's an, the eighth pick overall, say he's five to seven years. I mean, yeah. Ezekiel Elliott is in his ninth year, and he has been cut. Yeah, he, and, he fell off like two and, years ago and just got right, cut. He got cut this year, but he has not been productive for the last three. The Derrick Henrys are few and far between that can right. last and play so well for so long. And, you know, and the Derrick Titans- Henry went in the second round. Right. And all the Titans did was when they should have drafted a receiver, uh, took a kid, that kid from Tulane who doesn't have any ACLs. But anyway. That kid was good in college. I mean, he was, I mean, man. He but with, he's awesome. got arthritis already. He's got Todd Gurley written all over him because he's got arthritis already. He's missing ACLs. I mean, maybe it's going to work out, but he's he's undersized. He's a quick scat back. But cool. When we need receiver help, you're going to take a, a guy who's going to play, what, third downs? Like, Well, I know what I saw in that Rose Bowl game against USC. Was it the Rose Bowl? Maybe it wasn't Cotton Rose Bowl. Bowl. Cotton Bowl. He was incredible. Uh, yeah. Against I mean, the talent is there. Yeah. It's and just injury issues. And that's the last thing we need when we're trying to build. We did great early picking an offensive lineman. We got that kid out of Tennessee, that other t- that other offensive lineman that's really good. I got a couple guy key pieces we needed. Will Levis we'll talk about in a minute. But I just when you need so much receiver help, why are you going with a running back there who's likely still going to be there in the next round? Speaking of questionable running back drafts, the Detroit Lions <laughs> selected um, the Alabama running back. Jameer Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs. 
what pick was that? Twelve. Twelve. So so four picks after Bijan Robinson was picked by Atlanta, the uh, Detroit Lions traded up to get um, Jameer Gibbs from Alabama. The offseason after DeAndre Swift had a career year. Who was then promptly dealt to the Philadelphia Eagles. (laughs) And then they traded to the Philadelphia Eagles. So the Philadelphia Eagles win again. Yeah. But the Philadelphia Eagles got rid of uh, Sanders. He's now playing elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And so that that backfield was, uh, what's the cat? Boston Scott. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, Boston Scott, Jamal Williams is a saint. Sorry, I was thinking uh, of Phil. I thought we were talking about Detroit. Sorry, Philly. Yeah, yeah. So they've got Boston Scott, and then just traded for a uh, a workhorse, DeAndre Swift. Yeah. I mean, he's the workhorse. DeAndre Swift. I'm sorry, I can't remember names tonight. And Miles it's, Sanders is uh, he got? I don't remember where he went, but he's not there anymore. Carolina, I believe. That's right. I think it's Carolina. Carolina. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but yeah, it was definitely a reach after a couple really solid picks. The Bears took Darnell Wright. I was fired up about the Titans first round pick Peter Skaronsky that kid from Northwestern can play left tackle left guard he's big he's a mauler just a, and you just uh, lost Taylor Lewan. yeah and so we needed that guy he's your he's your typical Big Ten left tackle who's big who can move who's got a high football IQ he's a tough tough kid I was super high on that pick yeah. love that pick your boy Emmanuel Forbes got drafted in the top Let's fifteen. Oh, DBU is Starkville, uh-huh. Mississippi, baby. Oh my God. <laughs> Not going that far. Not going that <laughs> Not far. <two>. But, <laughs> but that is the fifth consecutive year that a Mississippi State Bulldog has been taken in the first round. No other university in the state can claim that. But anyway, oh, uh, out, of, also, out of the two other universities, <laughs> none of those universities that the, those, those other two universities combined have had zero first round picks in that same time span. Yeah. Anyway, hey. Um. But listen, big. It's a great situation for Emmanuel Forbes. Guy is a ball hawk. He's skinny as a rail. Buck sixty is probably is probably very favorable. Um, he probably had a pocket full of nickels when they weighed him. But guy can play. I mean, the ball skills are there. They got a great pick there. I think that was a home run. He went a little bit higher than people were saying. People were projecting him like to Pittsburgh around pick nineteen. So he went a little bit earlier. But Ron Rivera and that team up there got a just got a player. I mean, yeah. Emmanuel Forbes can pl- flat play. Uh, real quick, before that, did you see what happened with Lucas Van Ness when he got picked by the Packers, what his dad did? Yeah. <laughs> On did. TV, he got caught in 4K. <laughs> the, he got he double-tapped the girlfriend's hind end. Gave her a, a, a uh, He gave her a good game. That's just encouragement. You know, he was amped up in the moment. I'm sure he was. When your son is drafted in the first round, I'm sure the first thought is, let me grab his girlfriend's rear. It's probably, here we go, chest bumping, and she got an accidental good game. You yeah, know? <laughs> that's it. You got a good ball club. Pop, pop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she got a good funny. game. I mean, yeah. this is equality here, America. That's it. That's it. She she got her bag, and he was celebrating that for her. But uh, the other one of my other favorite moments was Quentin Johnson when he was picked. Did you see what he said about his mama? No. He said, first of all, what this was like an offstage interview. He said, first of all, I want to thank my mama for all the her work she's been putting in and what she's done for me. But she's turning in her two weeks notice today because I don't want her working anymore. <laughs> hey, that's a good kid right there. That's it, man. Take care of mama. She's the one that got you there. You take care of mama. That's for sure. So, uh, yeah, let's work. Let's work into like just instead of recapping the rest of it let's uh, uh let's hit the to. high points the 
in, the first round ended and Will Levis was not drafted. Right. Uh, so with that being said, this is kind of what he fell victim to a lot of gamesmanship played by front offices. Right. The Indianapolis Colts used him and abused him. Yeah. I mean, let's just be real. The Titans had the opportunity to take him at 11. Uh, and if he, they weren't going to take him after the Colts passed on him, then everybody knew he was going to drop. Because yep. you're getting into the good teams here. And yeah, good you teams don't need have a quarterback. quarterback. Yeah. And so he fell out of the first round. The only other one would have been Seattle a little bit later because they're looking for Geno's replacement, but they didn't take him. And I think that kind of tells you what a lot of people thought about him. Yeah. You know, he was he was a usable tool. He was one that 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 recruit nicks that are not recruit nicks, but draft nicks, you know, all the talking heads loved because they love measurables and they're like every team looked at him and were like, Yeah, we like him, but all these reporters love him, so let's right. use him and throw people off the scent. That's exactly what the Colts did. Yeah. I mean they used they abused him and it worked. Mm-hmm. So I hope you're right. You know, if you're a Colts fan, you hope you got it right. But he fell, and yep. um, and he fell to your guys at the at the second pick of the second round to your Tennessee Titans. So how do you think this works? How do you like it? And then how do you think they play these this hand they got? I mean, I'm sticking. I'm I'm staying true to color. I don't care for it. I don't think he's going to be this great NFL quarterback. I think, you know, he looks good in shorts and a T-shirt. He, the, the arm talent is certainly there, but the the talent between his ears sometimes makes me nervous. The decision-making is poor. Uh, he's a tough kid. There's no doubt about that. Um, obviously, it tells me that the Titans are done on Malik, Malik Willis, that that's, that experiment is gone. That ship has sailed. Um and then what I'm afraid, Drew, is we've got a new GM, and what it is is what this does. This ties Will Levis to Mike Vrabel, and if if Will Levis doesn't pan out, this was Vrabel's guy, and he'll go down with him if he doesn't work out. I think there's a chance that if Tanny, I don't gets know hurt, that I don't know that I necessarily think that by using a second round pick. If I would agree with you if they took him at 11, but they're 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 staking the future of the offense on him because Taney's 35. He's got bad knee. He's not going to be around forever. He's coming up at the end of his contract, and he'll be a free agent next year. And if he is put into a starting role this season, maybe or you know, hopefully at the late at the earliest, be next year. Um, you know, maybe, but I, I just don't know, man. I, 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 there's too many questionables for him, particularly when we have such a big need, and there were guys like Jalen Highland. Uh, or Hyatt, Cedric Tillman, that were still on the board that we get taken out of Tennessee to to help Traylon Burks and gives him some helps on the help on the outside, but instead we trade up to get Will Levis, and I just I don't love it. I don't get anywhere we got him. I don't hate it as much if we had taken him at eleven. I'd have hated it if of we course. take him at eleven. I'd have been pissed. Right. I, I hate it a little less, but I still don't love it. So what do you hope they do with him in the twenty three season? Nothing. I hope he sits under Taney Hill. He gets a mop up duty here and there, and they just they they just you know get him strong, get him used to the NFL speed. You, you know, let him play in practice. But I hope hope that he does not see the field in 2023. We rushed Malik Willis because of injury. We got him on the field a lot sooner, and we saw how that happened. The talent is probably completely different between the two. I just don't want a repeat of that to where he's thrown in too early and we pay for it. 
I think I would go the other way with that, especially if you get, you know, you start Tannehill. But you say you start 0-3 or 1-4, I'm going all in on Levis. Because, so and hear me out, because if you're starting at 1-4, you're probably not making the playoffs anyways. Uh, the division looks tougher. Not as tough. You've got a clear number one there. Jacksonville's going to be the one seed. Mm-hmm. But, so you're 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 a wild card team at best, in my opinion. And so, yeah. uh, if you don't really have much of a shot, you go see what Will Ellis has got. That's what they did with Malik Willis. They saw enough to know that they don't like him. And yeah. if Mo- and if Will Levis goes out there and he starts eight games, ten games, and you're just like, he's still not putting it together, that means your team sucks, one. And if your team sucks, then you might be in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes at that point. And you can say without doubt that we want another quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I get that. I do. But, like, if we're going to let Will Levis be the guy of the future, then, like, I, I would love for him to sit and learn. I, I don't want to throw him in soon. I still going to stand by that. I don't want to throw him in too soon. Too many times these guys are rushed onto the field, and then they lose their confidence, they get the yips, and it's over. And they never get another shot to try and get, get back. That's valid. But if you're going to go with that point of view and that thought process about it, then you are admitting that you're going to give Levis – the keys in 24 yes whether and, he and sucks that, or not and that's where i'm at because we got one more year with taney hill and so you're I think, comfortable with saying uh we'll let him be on the bench next year and uh, and then in the following year then he could suck or he could be good we don't really know and then he this. may suck and give him like anyways maybe give him in the last couple of games of the year if we're completely out of playoff contention in the last couple of games of the year say again you won't be able to tell anything definitively when the two games starting two games. Like I said, if we're at mathematically eliminated, we got four games maybe. I just I'm a I, I don't want to rush it, man. I really don't want to rush it and throw him in too soon. Okay, hey, that's your team. I'm cheering for Derek Carr this year, so. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not even mad about it. I could be yeah. cheering for Tannehill. So. Or Will Levis, who's yeah. banana eating, mayonnaise drinking fool. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I want to wrap up on the draft, but there were two awesome stories that came out of the draft that I wanted to just mention here. Uh, one, uh, Joey Porter Jr. Drafted oh, yeah. 31st or 32nd overall first pick of the second round by the Pittsburgh Steelers, yep. where his dad was a legend there linebacker for, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That was great. Uh, the second one was watching Deuce Vaughn, get drafted by the Cowboys and he got drafted by his dad, who is the director of college scouting, calling him and asking him if he wanted to go to work with him tomorrow was just the best thing that I saw in the whole draft. I talk about it a lot on this podcast, just in general sports is something that I do with my dad. That is my dad's thing that we do together. We go to Ole Miss baseball games together. We went to Omaha together we did Ole Miss football when we were kids. We've been to St. Louis. and I mean, f- my sports fandom is something that I share with my father. And for him as a father and the director of college scouting for the Dallas Cowboys yeah. to be able to select his son almost brought tears to my eyes. It was just the best thing that I saw. And, and it sucked 
so badly that it was the Dallas Cowboys that did it to me. I know, but two different visceral reactions for me. One, when Joey Porter Jr. and his dad embraced and he said, they're looking for a pissed off football player. And Joey Porter Jr. said, they got one. I was like, dude, let's go. I was fired up, man. <laughs> you know, the, the the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens know exactly who they're drafting every year. It's like if you could interview some, it's like it's only based on the interview. Yeah. They've all got that same that kind swagger, of tenacity that, that's on defense. It, man. They're just intense, and they knew what they were getting with who his dad was. But, like, in that moment, I was ready to strap up, go tackle somebody. Dude, I was fired mm-hmm. up. And then with Deuce Vaughn, you talk about just a warm, fuzzy, uh, you know, who's cutting onions in here, right? Like, right. it's a cool story just watching the dad be able to make that phone call and say, I got somebody who wants to talk to you. Like, the, that was a great line, too. Like, you want to come to work with me next week? Like, right. that was pretty cool. And, and for Jerry Jones to get on the phone, and Jerry Jones has got – plenty of flaws oh, yeah. uh, but for jerry jones to get on the phone and tell deuce he said we did not draft you because your dad was the director of college scouting we drafted you because you're good you know yeah, that's it cool. was it was really awesome it was a fa- father-son moments yeah. really choked me up you know yeah. because like, that, Who, who's cutting onions in yeah here? <laughs> because you know the greatest moment of my life sans the birth of my daughter and mm-hmm. maybe my wedding it's a kind of a toss-up is getting to experience <laughs> Ole Miss winning a national championship in Omaha with my dad. Sure. It would not have been it would not have been the same if it was with buddies. Yeah. Like my, it was me and my dad, yeah. the guy who raised me to love Ole Miss and told me my whole childhood he should have raised me an Alabama fan. That we <laughs> got to be to experience that, and for them to do that, it's just it's got to just be exponentially better than what I felt, you know? Absolutely. I mean, just, just cool moments. And that's why sports, like you said, man, that's why sports are so cool. As you get, you don't get stories like that in IT, no offense to our IT listeners out there, but like sports are, it's really cool. Just the way it connects people like that. And just tugs you in your heartstrings. People who aren't even sports fans will see that. And mean, it'll be impactful to them as well. People always, you know, we, we live in the South. You're from my neck of the woods. And, uh, People ask me all the time if I hunt. I'm like, no, that's something that your dad, you kind of get from your dad. That's my dad this and I is, grew up doing that. Yeah. I I didn't get that from my dad. It wasn't my dad's hobby. Me and my dad's hobby was watching Ole Miss sports, you know? And so yeah. uh, Deuce and his dad, I'm sure they bonded over football practice or watching film. And for them the to Cowboys, have that moment, you know. At the I, Cowboys facility because he's been a director of scouting there forever. So, right. um Props to them. Props to the cool stories and another successful NFL draft. And somebody is now officially on the clock for the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. And so we'll get into a 2024 draft preview when we do our our college previews over the summer. Got a lot of cool stuff planned for y'all in that coming up. But tonight is mostly going to be about our beloved Memphis Grizzlies. As already stated on this podcast it didn't end how we wanted. You know, we both were realistic, but still hopeful that we might end with the parade on Beale Street, but was not in the cards this year. And it ended with a loss Friday night to the Lakers in just a bully, beat down, take our lunch money type fashion. And so, Drew, we'll kind of kick it off with that. And then we're going to do something fun a little bit tonight. We're going to kind of give you a, a, a an example or a, a parody exit interviews. And those of you who don't know, players that at the end of the NBA season, give an exit interview, talk about their season, talk about what lies ahead, what they're hopeful for. They interview the, the brass and the coaching staff. So Drew and I are going to give you our take on the players as they ended the season. But Drew, initial first thoughts, anything else to add to what ended our season Friday night at the Crypt? I mean, not really. It kind of sucks, and we're going to get into it. And I feel like I've 
me or you one have said we're going to get into it like 17 times already <laughs> in this podcast and it's because we're all we're leading up to the Dylan Brooks talk and yeah. so what defined this series it's a shame that it was defined by off the court stuff yeah the Grizzlies ultimately if I look back at it this series losing in six to LA had one thing that was obvious and it's that without Brandon Clark and without Steven Adams, we did not have the horses and part of the we problem. Did, we did not have the horses in the right spots. Steven Adams. I mean, we got killed on rebounding. We, sure. we knew this was going to happen. We talked about this one. I said that I wanted Minnesota to win the playing game because I wanted to play Minnesota and I did not want to play LA. Yeah. And for the same reasons, we did not, stack up when it mattered most we could not get the shots to fall for the whole series we shot terribly as a team tyus was terrible dylan was was terrible uh luke was awesome until he got hurt in in the most critical game he was terrible for the first couple of games mostly because he didn't get a lot of minutes and when he did he was cold coming off the bench and then the other thing we missed a lot of and i hope the front office is really paying attention to this and we'll get into some of the players we think may fill this need our wing defense was awful when i've got a graft i want to go over here in a minute but like our wing defenders on their offense and defensive net rating are all on that lower quadrant of bad defense bad offense we got cooked by Rui hashimura and austin reeves on the wing it was awful well, I mean, you look at who our front court is, or who our back court is. It's John Desmond. Mm-hmm. Neither of those are should be billed to be plus defenders. They try hard, you know, especially Des. He's got yeah. moments. Uh, then you got Dylan, and you got Tyus, and three of the four of those are bad all the time. And yeah. Dylan was trash on defense. Oh my gosh, he was so ever since. When LeBron dressed him down on the sideline after some of the comments, I, it was over at that point. From that yeah. on, he took Dylan's manhood on that sideline. Let's just talk about Dylan. We'll start. We'll we we keep referencing it. So um, in the actual Grizzlies exit interview that happened on Sunday, yeah, yeah on Sunday, mm-hmm. Dylan Brooks sat down with the uh, front office folks, and, you know, like you said, the exit interview is a lot like a yearly job interview. What have you done well? What have you done poorly? How can we address it? And Dylan was is going into an offseason where he's an unrestricted free agent, meaning any team, he can go to any team he wants. He, there's nothing tying Memphis to him and nothing tying him to do a qualifying offer sheet, no bird no, racks. Nothing. nothing. He is a total free agent. Mm-hmm. And in that exit interview, it came out that he was asking, he was ex- wanting $25 million a year. And this is on the heels of him, you know, running his mouth, you know, and I don't, I t- it's well documented here that I like a trash talker. It's not but the he, fact that he ran his mouth so much as it was that he ran his mouth and didn't back it up. Yeah. And he didn't back it up. And then he left town. Uh, yeah. And he ducked the media made, for three yeah, straight games. Made, made his teammates answer for him. Uh, and so he said two things in that exit interview is uh, one, he wants $25 million. And then in the press conference on his way out, he said that he couldn't get going because the team doesn't draw up enough plays for him. Yeah, he said they want me to be a three and D guy, and I have more game than that. And it, but you don't. Yeah. Well, you thought you shot 
31% from the field and 24% from three on the series. So forgive me if like the Grizzlies then told him, but what has become apparent from all the sourcing out here, the Grizzlies told him like, well, then it's just not going to work for us. Mm -hmm. We're not going to resign you. And so that's when it leaked out on Monday or yesterday. Yesterday. Yesterday Yesterday. morning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Sham Sarania from the athletic tweeted out yesterday that Dylan Brooks, the Grizzlies were not going to re-sign Dylan Brooks, quote, under any circumstance, end quote. And so that set the internet on fire because I read it and I was like, dang, that's harsh. Mm. That's harsh coming from, uh, if the front office said that, that's harsh to go to the media like that. You know, this is a, this is just like any other business where you're dealing with people and you've got a locker room full of people who love Dylan. Yeah. I mean, they've made no bones about it. They love Dylan. Yeah. And I then, mean, you know, to, he's our guy. Jaws had his back. They said, you know, he can get out there and just defend. Yeah. We'll put up with the shots because he was a plus defender until the playoffs. So, uh, talking heads, you know how they can be, you know, they're not into the minutia like, like the fans are or like the local media is. Uh, they went on to just trash the Grizzlies. After, a, a few days after trashing Dylan Brooks unrelentless, uh, unrelentlessly, it was relentlessly. It and, was remnant uh, of Rudy Gay from when Rudy Gay left. Met we traded Rudy Gay, and they all the talking heads were giving us crap because we traded our best player, our best shooter, our best shooter. But they failed to mention that yeah, he scored twenty five, but it was on twenty percent shooting from the field. And then he goes off, and the first thing he says is he's glad to be out of Memphis. So yeah, it feels so, like that again. It's people who don't know what what's going on in the locker room. But as I digested it yesterday, because I, my initial thought was, okay, this came from the Grizzlies. I that did not come from the Grizzlies. Yeah. The Grizzlies suffered way too much for, yeah. and they're smarter than that. The front office is smarter than that. Yeah. Then to leak out a quote that said, "Under any circumstance, we will not resign Dylan Brooks." Because that hurts the sign and trade option that you could explore with him. Yep. And it just hurts how you, your perception with how you deal with players when you're looking at free agents and stuff like that. Just like Uh, what we saw in the media. That's exactly what happened. And so uh, I truly believe that did not come from, Mm -hmm. from the Grizzlies front office. I think it came from an age. I, I think it came from an agent or from Dylan himself Mm -hmm. or from somebody close to Dylan leaked it to Shams. Yeah. However, uh, according to Dylan Brooks agent came out with a statement, uh, just an hour or so ago and said, quote, Shams is the leader of spreading false news and attacking players. Why any player in this league talks, to this guy blows my mind. So apparently Dylan Brooks's camp also has a problem with the way the tweet was worded. I think, so, it, yeah, cause it reflects poorly on both parties. It reflects poorly that either Dylan's camp leaked it, or that there was enough issues there that the Grizzlies are white washing their hands. Obviously you talked about, you nailed it with the Grizzlies, why it looks bad to other teams. I think, I think somewhere in the middle is the truth. There was probably somebody in and around Dylan's camp that leaked that trying to get sympathy because the way he went out as a heel, he had Kendrick Perkins pouring honey on him. Everybody was mashing him like was on every uh, sports Twitter and Instagram account as the butt of the joke. And then now what happened? That comes out. Oh, they treated Dylan so bad. So it's getting sympathy so he can get $25 million from somebody else trying to get yeah. that contract. And 
we all know what the market is for Dylan. Dylan has no self-awareness at all. To go in there and ask for $25 million, and it's documented, they uh, they were aggressive at this trade deadline, and you know he was involved in all trade talks, and they could not get anything done with Dylan Brooks involved in this trade. Right. I'm not saying he was the one that, that, sh- that brought down all trade possibilities, but to throw him in there was not a piece that a lot of these teams that we were – talking about trading for their players they didn't really want him back right and so it just screams of a massive massive amount of you know delusion honestly and uh but moving forward i mean this is what i wanted and i think that's what you wanted and i think that's what most of grizzlies fans wanted and and i'm not going to be labeled as the guy that is being reactionary based on how he did in the playoffs. Cause I've been saying this for a long time. Right. Uh, Dylan Brooks is a regular season player. You've seen yep. what happened when you throw him in a seven game series. Yep. When you see the same team night after night and they can game plan against you night after night, they took him out of the game. They 100%. told him, they told him to shoot by the end of that series or not even by the end of it, by game yep. three or game two, Xavier Tillman was guarding LeBron, not and doing Dylan. a really good job. Yeah. Xavier Tillman was guarding LeBron yeah. and Dylan was guarding D'Angelo Russell or Schroeder or, you know, yeah. also somebody Reed. who wasn't shooting. And that right. kind of leads into, so the, after this, after the series, they released the, the 2022, 2023 postseason TPA for the Memphis Grizzlies. And Ja was our most efficient player. He had the most points Ja Well, Ja was the second most efficient player for us in the playoffs. Um, he had a, a defensive offensive points added of 20 and he had eight defensive points saved. But you know who our most efficient player was? Luke Kennard. Nope. He was third behind Ja. Xavier. Xavier friggin' Tillman. He he had 12 defensive points saved, and he added six offensive points. Um, Dylan Brooks, <clears throat> we lost four points. He was a minus four defensive points saved, and he was a negative 21 offensive points scored. So we were 21 points worse Technically, a net of 25 points worse when Dylan was on the floor, whereas X was a net of, what, 20, uh, 18, 19? I mean, right. a complete different game with X in, in, on, on the court. Yeah. it's This Grizzlies team was regular season deep. Mm-hmm. They did not have what it takes in the postseason. They didn't have enough dogs without Brandon Clark. And without Stephen Adams, Brandon Clark would have changed the series as a small ball five. Yeah, and so allowed us and, to go. And and know. Anthony Anthony Davis gets a fraction of those rebounds if Stephen Adams is in there. Right, right. And so that puts a bow on this season. Uh, we all believed after the season was over that we were going to need a wing player. Yep. Uh, we we're going to need an upgrade at the wing. And, and to Zach uh, Lyman's credit, he said that we're going to be aggressive this all season. We saw some things that we need to address, and we're going to go after and be aggressive in the off season. One thing that he said, I was like, "Oh, really?" And is he said that it's probably not smart to triple down on youth on rookies? Yeah, on youth. Yeah. And so that's what we have done. We have banked on the guys that we have drafted, 
And Zaire Williams did not have a good year this year. Not he was out, out of the rotation. LaRavia was non-existent. Yeah. David Roddy gave you spurts. Uh, and they cut Kennedy Chandler. And so then you, mm-hmm. you know, you didn't get any minutes out of, uh, out of Junior Lofton. And Santi was unplayable in the playoffs yeah. as a second-year player. And so what that means on to me players. is that it, this is going to be, I believe this this offseason is going to be an extenuation of the trade deadline where reports came out of the trade deadline that they were offering four first-round picks from Mikael Bridges, and they were offering six first-round picks for KD. They were being aggressive and saying, we need to mature now. Yeah. And uh, I believe that that's what's going to happen this offseason. You're going to look so. at free agency – and they're going to look for vets. I think we've got some great players out there that we'll get to in a minute. But, um, but yeah, let's talk about our players. So we've talked about Dylan at nauseum. He's no longer a Grizz. You know, I think I think that that ship is sailed. We'll put a nice bow on Dylan. I wish him well. He'll always be a villain. You know, when the early in his career, he was good for us. Offensive, he won some games for us, but he just didn't mature at the level he needed to to be a consistent is, contributor. The last thing I'll say about Dylan is he spent six years in Memphis. Uh, for six years, barring injury, he was a starting small forward for the Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. He was the lone bright spot his rookie year, in yep. which we were terrible, and ended up with the fourth pick in Jaron, yep. uh, and the worst record in the NBA. Uh, he went out as about as poorly as you can. Yeah. But when he gets re-signed to when he gets signed to a team and he comes back to Memphis. I hope that Memphis fans give him a round of applause and give yeah. him a standing ovation. Yeah. He is a Grizzlies player that I have loved, but the mindset got in his way. Uh, he got in his own way. Yeah. And uh, it's not a tragic story to me. It's not, I don't hate Dylan Brooks. I hated Dylan Brooks's role on this team. Yeah. Uh, I think that Dylan Brooks needs a little bit of humbling now. Uh, however, if I'm at the game in the FedEx forum, when he returns, I will give him a standing ovation and cheer him on because six years as a Grizzly, uh, you know, we live and die with these teams. We live and die with these players. Even the bad players are one of ours. Yeah. And he's one uh, of us, you know, I'm a ride or die with one of us. He's also the last of the core four. He was on that team with Mike and Mark and Zebo before they all got traded. No, he was, uh, he was was on there with Mike, with Mike. That's right. It was a year after Mark got traded. I was at Dylan's first game. I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, Dylan's first game, the home opener, was Tony Allen's first game back as a member of the New Orleans Pelicans, his first right. year, and, and was, Dylan Brooks went off. Yeah. And I was like, me and Patrick Jones and Zach, we left that game going to the team store to buy a Dylan Brooks jersey. He had like 18 points in his first game as a Grizzly, yeah. and T.A. returned. I mean, it was a great yeah. game. I remember uh, that now. The year, yeah, I was at Mark's last game as a Grizz in Charlotte right before he got traded. They pulled him out in the second quarter, and all the Grizz fans cheered for him. That was the 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 year prior. So let's get into our player, our uh, our end of season kind of <laughs> thoughts, our our exit interviews for our Grizzlies players, and what we kind of want them to work on, or what we want to see for them going into next year. We'll start with the t- at the top, Drew. I'll see to you first. One up, John Morant. Well, for Ja, I mean, this was a year from hell for him. I mean, uh, and it was all in personal issues. And, you know, I think he got a bad rap. He got lumped in with Dylan when they skipped out on that press conference after game three. 
uh, in LA. Mm-hmm. And um, from reports coming out after that, and what I've kind of heard is that he skipped that because he was about to go up there and slam the refs and get a $50,000 fine. It had nothing to do with backing up, you know, his smack talk or, or cowering away. So I'm going to apologize for that a little bit. But for Ja, in his exit interview, uh, his press conference, he owned up to everything. He said, I'll, I'll have to live with saying we're fine in the West. I'll have to become a better person. I'm going to have to, um, you know, he even said that we're going to have to talk, you know, more with our actions than our words. And he said all of the right things. Mm-hmm. And when you go through something that he went through this year, it's going to cost him $40 million because he's not going to make all NBA. And from a guy from Sumter, South Carolina, with no college offers, with no stars, you know he's worked his way to where he's at now with a chip on his shoulder. And you know he's going to keep a bigger chip on his shoulder now. Absolutely. And so for Ja, for me, um, when you're looking at the offseason, you know, get healthy, one. Um, stay out of the limelight. You know, keep your nose clean. Um Become a little bit of a vocal leader, uh, a lead-by-example guy in the locker room. Solidify your role as the alpha in our locker room, mm-hmm. a role that was there given to by Dylan as the elder statesman. Um, and just just be the guy, you know, every, be the guy everybody looks to. Be the guy that settles, settles everybody down, keeps everybody in line. Take that role on yourself and uh, be the guy that we pay you to be. Uh, we, we know you're going to be a great player, and so be the be the leader now. So for me, the biggest things for Ja are off the court. You nailed it. You know, I, I, I agree. I own up that, and I and I back off some of my vitriol towards him when uh, he ducked that interview, and I said some stuff that, you're right, I think he was being smart by not taking the fine, and then he, he stood there and he took his lumps after the season. So props to him for that. Again, get healthy, get in the gym, get strong, and then I don't want to hear from him all summer. Like you said, stay out of the limelight, keep your nose clean, stay out of the news, off TMZ, off ESPN, unless they're interviewing you about your work ethic or your summer camp that you're doing for kids. Go have some fun in Cancun or wherever, but stay humble, stay quiet, and then call Jay Crowder, who everybody knows that's Ja's boy. He loves Jay Crowder. Jay loves Ja. I've seen it on Grizz Twitter multiple times that the Grizz need to sign him for like a end-of-the-bench type veteran leader like a Tayshaun Prince was for us at the end of his career, Vince Carter. I don't hate that. I mean, it's a roster spot we could probably use, but Jay Crowder's a dude when it comes to that locker room. And then also your other phone call needs to be Mike Conley. Not to not to sign him, but for Ja to learn how to be that steady leader because that's what Mike was for us for so many years. Again, don't bring Mike back, but if I'm John calling Mike and said, hey, man, I want you to mentor me this summer. I want to lead the team like you did as that quiet Captain Clutch so we can go win some ball games. Oh, see, well, I was – I'm not talking about leading the same way Mike Conley did because that team was steered by Tony Allen and Zach Randolph. That was that was the alphas. I need John to be the alpha. I need him to be the guy that smacks some folks around and says – we're doing this this way. Get in it. Get on. Get on board or get off. You know. I got some. I got some thoughts on being the alpha. We'll get to in some of my players coming up. But yeah, I mean, I agree. He needs to be the guy that no more of that. I'm not the man anymore. I need Ja from like playoff Ja when he scored 40. You know, 40 plus. Like that's the that's the Ja I need that just takes over a game, dominates, 
It keeps everybody in line. Absolutely. Who you got next? Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, for me, Trip took a big step forward. There was a lot of growth this year. Obviously, defensive player of the year. I mean, my man showed out with stocks. He's well documented on the podcast. Uh, you know, steals, blocks, altering shots, altering drives without even touching the basketball. He really cleaned up and made waves. And so on the defensive end, offensively, he took some steps forward. I still think there's opportunity for growth on the offensive end for Jaron. I think he needs to get in the gym. He needs to get stronger. And then he needs to get, he needs to be an alpha on offense. He needs to be the one late in games that opens the floor for Ja. Steps out where he can shoot those threes. Gives some post clearance for Ja. And I hope that Jaron and Ja work on the pick and roll this summer until their shoes fall off. Because there's so much potential there with Jaron, with a pick and roll to the basket, as athletic and big as Jaron is, as good as Josh sees the floor when he's driving. Like, we could be one of the best pick and roll teams in the league where it's not taking a huge advantage of it. Steven Adams is vastly better at pick and roll than Jaron Jackson Jr. is because Jaron doesn't want to set his feet and he sets those Draymond Green moving screens and gets called for those all the time instead of standing his ground and then rolling to the basket, which could be a huge thing for us. So, for me, Jaron needs to work on being the alpha dude. Our offense should run through Jaron Jackson Jr. As great as Ja is, Ja is the man in the backcourt. No doubt about that. In the we half go court as Jaron Jackson Jr. goes. In the half-court offense, it needs to run it's through Jaron Jackson Jr. He needs because he can create the space that Ja needs, and he can take over games for us when we need him to. Yeah, I agree with you. The problem with the pick-and-roll thing is if Steven Adams is in the game, there's nowhere to roll to, and sure. that's why they don't use him a lot. Um but we had a large that, sample size without Steven Adams, and they still right, didn't do it well. Right. I agree. And then you got Xavier Tillman, which spreads the floor a little bit, but he's not standing in the corner by any means. Right. Um, for for Jaron, I think you hit the nail on the head, and it's what I would have said if I started it off. Uh, be more aggressive on offense. He averaged um, 50% shooting from the field on only 13 attempts per game. Yeah. Uh, mm. Get your shots, young man. Uh Get your shots, demand shots, demand to be touched the ball, uh, and um, get that three-point percentage up. He shot about 35.5% this year. If he can get that up to 38% even, I mean 37, yeah. you're talking about 25-point-per-game score. Yeah, and uh, absolutely. And the potential is there. We've seen it. He When Ja was out, he all he did was average 25, 28 points a game. Dominated when Ja was out with his suspension. And so got to learn to do it together. Jaron has taken a big step this year. Big kudos to him. He really grew up a lot this year, and that makes me excited going into next year because he made this growth, much growth this year. I, I, I think there's still much more to be had as he grows and matures in his role. And he averaged uh, his uh, only 3.6 fouls per game that's, uh, that's, yeah. in 28 minutes, and he averaged 28 and a half minutes, and that's not because of fouls. That's because of the system that Taylor runs yeah. where they – they do a lot of subbing. So, who you got next? Uh, next up, Desmond Bain. Um, this is real simple for me. Um, Desmond Bain has made a huge leap from year one to year two, and then made a huge leap from year two to year three. Mm-hmm. And so, just keep doing what you're doing. That's it's, it. It's well documented. He is a gym rat. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mostly by his in, biceps. He is in every high school gym in Memphis throughout the summer, mm-hmm. every summer, every day, and. Um, he moves here. He doesn't leave. He stays here. He has said in his post 
season interview that he's going to invest a lot of time and effort with the new guys, getting them up to speed. Uh, and he has become a leader on this team and he leads by example when it comes to work ethic. Uh, just keep doing what you're doing. I have no, no, th- nothing to say. Get healthy. I don't know if he's going to need surgery on his foot yet or not. It's but, looking likely. Yeah. Get healthy first and yeah. then just keep doing what you're doing. That's it. I, he's I, the, no notes. No notes. Yeah. He's the quiet leader that we need. I agree. That's the only thing I'll add. He's that quiet leader that we need. And he's, uh, yeah, the sky's the limit with, Dev- with Desmond Bain. Uh, we talked about Dylan next up. Big Kiwi. Big Kiwi's big offensive or big offseason thing. Again, it's getting healthy. Get that yeah. knee right, man. Get it figured out. Obviously, we needed him. He is still our anchor in the front court. He is still our big, our big lug who gets down there and mixes it up with the ADs and um, uh, Joel and Beads, those type players. We need him. Obviously, we stunk without him in the playoffs and got worked by a big bodied center when we needed him the most. I mean, the guy was an offensive rebound machine. Not going to beat a dead horse because this is a very pro Stephen Adams podcast. Stephen Adams just needs to get healthy. Keep being right. the leader. Keep stepping up. He called that players-only closed-door meeting in Denver the job he didn't listen to. But keep at it, big fella. Keep leading the team and get yourself healthy. Yeah, that's it. That's it. He's going to be, he's going to be on this team for the next few years. And so mm-hmm. just get healthy. That's it. Next up. One piece, one guy I think is going to be traded this offseason. I'm curious to think what, see what you think. Tyus Jones. Yeah, I mean, so we talked about regular season depth, regular season good versus postseason good. Um, I believe now watching, and I don't want to be prisoner of the moment either because he was good in last postseason, but this postseason he was atrocious. Mm-hmm. Um, just no real way to sugarcoat that. No. Um, in the one game that Jaw was out, he was bad, Real even bad. then. And so, um, I always considered Tyus as untouchable for a long time because as much time as Jaw missed, has missed in his career, he has been a huge factor in us being able to get the second seed. And I don't think that's putting, giving him too much credit. I believe that's exactly the amount of credit he deserves. He's sure. been incredible when sure. Jaw's been out. However, you have a glaring hole on your roster now. You have a wing that has to be upgraded. And whereas I used to shudder at the thought of trading Tyus Jones, I think he's one of the few pieces that you've got that people really want. And so you've got to put him out there on the market to see if you can, if you're going to trade for somebody, if you're going to trade for somebody like OGN and OB or Cam Johnson or someone like that, you're going. that's the piece that you're going to have to give up because yeah. there's – three or four players that you're that are untouchable yeah and he's not one of them and so we're at the point now to where no one is untouchable except for ja desmond bain and jaron jackson jr yeah if you're talking about getting a fourth star and in a league that is so wing driven you've got to have a big three and d wing more than three and d you know just a, a a great player a LeBron play type the player that just can yeah. cut, shoot, do it all. You're not going to get one of those for nothing. No. And so, that's why I think one of the other guys we're going to get to in a minute, I think is another trade commodity that I don't want to see go if he can come back healthy. But you nailed it. Ty is not going to beat a dead horse. I he was he was awful in the playoffs. He's a very expensive backup point guard. Um, you know, I think that especially in games when Tyus was out. 
or when Ja was out and Ty was taking a blow, Luke Kennard, Desmond Bain both can run that one when Ja is off the court. They can bring the ball up. They can set the offense. They both did it throughout the year. I'm not saying we don't need Tyus because, again, Stone's got us some big minutes and got us into that two seed, but my man went dormant in the playoffs. And so I think that there are better options out there. And honestly, like the Kennedy Chandlers are a dime a dozen in the NBA draft or in free agency. You can go get a serviceable backup point guard, um, especially for what he costs us. But, I mean, the guy has great regular season numbers and so somebody's going to want him and if it gets us a guy like you said like an og spencer dinwiddie ken johnson somebody like a pipe dream of mikhail bridges and i I would be fine with moving to ice yeah and uh we've gotten to the point with the grizzlies we've made the playoffs two straight years mm-hmm. uh three straight years uh we lost in the playoff and the play in four years ago and so I'm done building a roster for the regular season that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I need a starting lineup that's great. Yep. I agree. Uh, and when the playoffs get here, you're playing eight, maybe nine guys, and the most. six through nine guys are only playing 10 minutes. Yep. You've got to have that next guy. Yeah. And we just don't have that right now. And um, Desmond Bain can spell jaw. We've seen yeah, it. Yeah. That's what I said. Yeah. I don't know that I would trust Luke Kennard to run the offense, uh, if I'm being honest and being a little bit critical. Maybe uh, give him another year, and he might could. He was serviceable some, but I agree. Dez is the one that can run the offense. He can bring the ball up, but I don't really trust him to execute the offense from a point guard position. I do trust Desmond in that. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, talk- that's what I got on yeah. Tyus. We've talked about Santi. Big body Roddy had a, some big minutes down the stretch. I will be the first. I wanted to take this one because I need to own up. I was really hard on David Roddy at the beginning of the year. I was not a fan of his when he was taking his lumps, but over time, the progression got better and better and better. He was making big shots. He was stepping in passing lanes. He was bodying up, defending guys when Dylan was out and did a great job defending some of the better players in the NBA as a rookie. So props to the rook. David Roddy, you earned my respect. You played some good minutes, and he didn't play a ton of the playoffs, but when he did play, he was a he played pretty well for a rookie in a big series. I'm excited about the future. David Roddy showed a lot of growth. Get in the gym this offseason with the guys. Play basketball until your legs fall off. Figure shoot it threes. out. Shoot threes. Get aggressive. I own that, and I owe David Roddy, Roddy apology. I know you're a big fan of this podcast, my man, so props and- to you for growing. I would like to take a moment to apologize to absolutely nobody (laughs) because unlike my co-host here that has no foresight at all, (laughs) I saw it with Roddy. He, he had it and I was on it from the beginning. I loved him. I loved how hard he played, even though he didn't get the minutes, he played hard. His shot didn't look terrible. He's a rookie and I knew he'd come back around and my boy made me look smart. A lot smarter than Rusty, which we all knew anyways. Sure. Um, And so uh, one of us is a doctor, and the other one is me, and I'm the smartest. (laughs) He got lucky with David Roddy, but Roddy got some big minutes. I'll say that. Big props to him for growing into a ball player. Um, X, Xavier Tillman, we already talked about the big playoff minutes. My man's 24, looking 44, but can just step up and play clutch minutes. I cannot emphasize how much – I love how much more I love X after the playoffs. Just he had that big game where he had the double double. He defended freaking LeBron James. He got big rebounds when they were needed. I I was this was already a very pro Xavier Tillman podcast. I was, I was a pro Xavier yeah, Tillman podcast. I was a big Xavier Tillman fan going into the playoffs. I want that man a Grizzly forever. 
Uh, I'm in a hundred percent agreeance. Um, this podcast has drawn talked honestly, probably way too much about how much we love the tenth man on the roster being Xavier Tillman. <laughs> but when his number's called, you can count on Xavier Tillman. You put up the bat signal, yep. and Xavier Tillman is going to give you everything he's got. Yeah. And I, I'm with you, man. And what was encouraging to me is he had a big series, whereas Dylan Brooks lost a lot of money this playoffs. Uh, Xavier Tillman could have made him a lot of money this playoffs. And I was encouraged to hear that Zach Kleiman singled him out as being a major factor in this team going forward. And if nothing else, Xavier Tillman is that guy, can be that guy, that Udonis Haslam light, you know, Role that player. glue guy, the ultimate teammate that you can't, nobody can say anything to him or about him because you cannot find any dirt on Xavier Tillman. You will not find a single minute of practice or game or grocery shopping that he's not giving a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. That I, that is the guy that I look for when I hire folks at my job that's the guy that i want to be friends with that's the guy who i want to depend on is a guy like xavier tillman yeah and uh zach Kleinman was effusive in his praise and looked for looked for roles in the future for him he will be a member of the memphis grizzlies he said he's going to be a big part of our future and i i couldn't agree more you know there's gonna be some guys that knock on the door for a trade but he's not one of the untouchable four but i would put him up there (laughs) no no he you know he may be a one they throw in as a sweetener you know yeah but as a a not nothing you know but i'll say this not to not to wrap up x too soon because we do talk about him a lot but i think the man in the in the front court that's going to get traded if he can get healthy brandon clark brings you a lot of value on the trade market and that hurts my heart to say i love bc Uh, He's got some of the best bounce in the league, just always on his toes, high energy type player. They had a catastrophic Achilles injury. And for a guy like that, that's a tough thing to overcome. I know the Grizz have said he's ahead of schedule. I'd say that too. Um, I hope that that's true. I hope that he comes back as a Memphis Grizzly. I really do. But he's a piece that could really fetch something in the open market. I don't want him gone. But I see that making sense because who else are we going to who else we're going to trade? You're not going to get a guy like OG or uh, Spencer Dinwiddie or some of these guys for a John Conchar and Santi Aldama. You're not going to get a guy like that. So you're right about Brandon Clark. He is a piece. The problem with Brandon Clark is that you're kind of trading for an unknown because Mm -hmm. he is a guy who's known for his athleticism and bounce but he's coming off an achilles tear yeah they did say he was ahead of schedule but they said that doesn't mean he will they hope to have him back next year yeah they're hoping season opener but no no it's it's gonna be 2024 before bc sees any measurable minutes it'll be after the turn of the calendar year and that's a that's a crowded front court because climbing's also on the record of saying that he Kenny Lofton Jr. is going to have a lot of a lot of minutes going forward, and that gets crowded real quick when you've got five guys down there playing for two spots. When we need so much wing help, right? And I think we've learned that depth is not overrated uh, in general, but it is overrated in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, 
especially now Brandon Clark is not anywhere close to losing playoff minutes if he's no. healthy. No. He'll be but, the sixth man. He'll be the first right, one off the bench. Right. Absolutely. We missed that this playoff season because who was our first guy off the bench more often than not? Santi freaking Aldama. Yeah. So you want to uh, – who you got next? Team I, up next. Santi Aldama. Okay. Right. Uh, he's just going to have to get in the weight room. I mean, I mean yeah. They're, they're, figure out how to shoot. <laughs> uh, you're talking about regular season good. That's Santi Aldama. He, had a, he struggled mightily in the playoffs again. He's just such a negative defensively right That's now, it, man. and it's because he plays the four, but he can't rebound and no. he can't guard the fours, and he so can't he's kind come of off of picks. He gets yeah. picked off real easily. He doesn't know what to do in space. He gets he gets cooked. And he's got a pretty shot, and offensively he's not bad, uh, but he's a net negative on defense, and so he's got to get in the weight room. Well, yeah. he said he's going to eat six or seven meals a day this off season, and I hope he does because he's going to need every bit of it. And I hope he doesn't get off the couch. Yeah. <laughs> if, if it's unhealthy 60 pounds, he needs the 60 pounds. <laughs> I mean, that's it, man. I mean, the guy's the only person skinnier on this planet is Emmanuel Forbes, who we talked about earlier. And yeah. so uh, yeah. I agree. But yeah, uh, that's Santi. Luke Kennard is an interesting one going into the offseason because Luke had a monster regular season. And then my man was the most wanted man in Memphis because he went dormant. Not necessarily of his own fault. Don't, even, your don't even put that on him. I'm getting that there. Now, and I'll get your thoughts on our coach in a little bit. But I think a lot of that was scheming, lineups, and rotation. Because when Luke was in there, he was a bucket. Was that He finally got minutes and was at game four, and then he busts his shoulder up, and it's like. And you forget that in that game, he only went two for three or two for four from three. Those big buckets. But it's the, the fact that he was standing there. Yeah. No, no, I agree and, 100%. And that's still 50%. He needs to be taking Taylor eight Jenkins. a game. That ain't on Luke Kennard. That's on Taylor Jenkins, 100%. So he is uh, uh, he is on an expiring mm-hmm. deal uh, going in. So next year will be the last year of his deal. Mm-hmm. I hope they uh, – I hope that they extend him. Yeah. Because he's the shooter that you need with a guy like Ja. We've talked about this. I don't want to do it again. Yeah. Uh, he's a priority for me. Uh, not the number one priority. Number one priority is getting a superstar wing. Yeah. Uh, but, but get him on a team friendly deal. Let's extend him. Let's make him stick around. You know, a, a, a deal like we got Jaron on that's team friendly, but one that keeps him in Memphis and keeps that threat on our bench. Right. So, uh, yeah, bring him back, Luke. You know, if you want to work on anything, um, backup know. point guard, <laughs> learn yeah, how to run the offense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Just keep keep. Uh, what I want you to focus on is getting a little bit of an ego, mm-hmm. and uh, go watch some of your old tape. You know, yeah. of you just shooting fireballs. Yes. And oh, then uh, and then shoot, learn how to ball more and learn how to come across a pick. Learn how to play a, just a little defense, not a lot, just a little defense, just a little. You're being critical. Shoot the ball, Luke. Hey, you said we 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 said we want him back. I had to find something for him to get better at. Let's play defense. Um, speaking of another bust, I I think the Zaire Williams experience in Memphis is if it's not over, it's 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 halfway out the door. I don't think it's over because his value really took a hit. Um, he's he's gonna be a Memphis hustle. He's gonna be on the G League next year. He's he's a six nine wing that has the body to defend and the shot that looks good. And so I'm I'm kind of hoping that he just puts it together. I don't know that he 
that he's going to be one that they they throw away just in a trade. No, but I think somebody's going to look at him as a developmental piece and think maybe Memphis isn't developing well, and maybe we could get some return on him. But again, like he showed moments in his rookie year. Maybe it's just a sophomore slump. Hope he comes back because he does. He has the look of an NBA player. The production just wasn't there. I think he'll have a really good third year. Brandon Clark had a really bad second year too. True. Remember. True. I do. Yeah, that's fair. People, you get you your first year in the league is the only time as a player. You do not have a scouting report against you. Yep. Year two, you do. And he hit his slumps and he hit them hard. Yep. Uh, I think he bounces back next year. I'm not saying he's going to be a starter in the playoffs like he was last year. Yeah. But I think he'll be good. Yeah. And we'll wrap up real quick uh, on Kenny Lofton Jr. Obviously, he's a part of our plan going forward. Front office loves him. I love him. Guy got 40-something points. Was it 42 in the last game of the regular season against the Thunder? That's incredible, man. Yeah. For Kenny, um, learn how to play a little bit of defense. Mm -hmm. Uh, The ball tends to stop with him on offense. And Mm -hmm. so learn to kind of facilitate a little bit out of the high post would be nice. uh, Because I think he's going to spell Steven Adams a lot. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. Learn how to facilitate. Get with Steven. Let him show you how to set a hard screen. How and to go back to, and watch film of Zebo. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, again, I don't think he's going to get heavy minutes next year, but it is somebody that Zach Kleiman, again, said was going to be a part of this franchise going forward and that he was excited about. Same with Jake Laravia. That's another name that Kleiman really likes. And there's a lot of people on Grizz Twitter. Anthony Sane is one of them that thinks Jake Laravia takes a big step next year, gets some minutes, gets some points. We'll see. Jury's still I out. Have, I haven't seen anything. That's I mean, it. I, I haven't seen enough to know. He's he's the first rookie that's been drafted by this Grizzlies front office that had no leash at all. Yeah. And he dealt with a lot of nagging injuries, you know, wrist and, I mean, wear and tear kind of stuff that maybe sure. his body just wasn't ready for this yet. Yeah. And so a year in the gym may do him wonders. You yeah. know, they, they haven't missed on a draft pick yet. Mm. Just – just flat out missed. No, huh. but they haven't hit on a few. I guess we're talking semantics and a little bit of point of view on those. Uh, to me, you know, they haven't like, missed, you can't look because at you Zaire, don't have anything invested in them. You, you know? can't look at Zaire, Santi, and Jake and say that they hit on them. They haven't. The jury's out. They haven't missed yet, but it, they're not trending in a good direction. Well, I'll put it. Uh, we'll just take those one at a time then. Uh Zaire, you spent at the number 10 pick. You traded Jonas Valanciunas and the 17 pick for what ended up being um, Zaire Williams and Steven Adams. And so after his rookie year, I was thinking that Zaire Williams would go into that offseason and forward as the fourth piece they were looking for and look out league because we've got four guys. I'm not going to change drastically and do a complete 180 on Zaire Williams based on this year for reasons I told you a minute ago. Um, I'm not saying that it's a hit. I'm saying it's TBD. I'm going to need to see a lot Uh, pretty early next year. He's going to do something this summer. As far as, you know, Lofton and Kennedy Chandler and um, Jake LaRavia. um, Well, LaRavia was the 10th, 11th pick. Something like that. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's a miss. We'll see. Uh, for Lofton and those second round picks, 
if you get any production out of a second round pick, that, that's I mean, a win. It's not, I'll it, give you that. Yeah. I'll give you that. I just like you see so much. This front office never misses, and there's been a few that just haven't quite panned down yet. Not saying that they won't. I think you've got hits, and I think you've got TBD though. I don't think you have that's an absolute miss yet, except for if you want to call Kennedy Chandler. But he was a roster casualty yeah, because you lost Stephen Adams for the yeah. playoffs. Yeah. And then the last one, and we'll be brief here before we go into trade targets. Jitty, John Conchar, monster block against AD, but I mean, he's a role player at best. Um, maybe he's trade fodder. Maybe he sticks around. Either way, he yeah. needs he needs to be a forty two percent three point shooter. Well, he said that he could be a forty percent three. He needs to be at least forty percent from three in his exit interview. So. Yeah, confidence I is there. I love All Judy. Right. He does a little bit of everything. He just needs to be really good at one thing. And he'll forever be etched in my mind, blocking AD on that dunk. Right. I mean, holy cow. <laughs> Absolutely. So we talked a lot about trade targets. We talked about OG Ananobi. We've talked about Spencer Dinwiddie. We've talked about maybe Gary Trent Jr. Um, any other trade targets you want to you want to talk about? Because I do have a few free agents we could talk about. Uh, yeah, I think if you can go get Cam Johnson, you get Cam Johnson. I think Mikael Bridges played too well. Yeah. I don't think Brooklyn's going to trade him now. He's he become untradeable. Piece. They're going to build around him. Yeah. Um, the lottery was if you could swing something for Jalen Brown. Um, yeah. I mean, that's the pipe dream. Yeah. Uh, like you said, you're not, you mentioned earlier that you're not going to be able to trade anybody without, you know, trading a big piece to get anybody mm-hmm. big. But what you didn't mention is that we've got every first round pick that we That's own. That's the thing. Yeah. And so yeah. if you could wrap in like a three team trade. Yeah. And give some bum team that is rebuilding like Portland. Yeah. A bunch of picks and Portland can send say like. Jeremy Grant. That's the something that's number one. No, He's a free wait, agent. Wait, wait, wait. Send Jeremy Grant and somebody to Boston, and then we can get Jalen Brown. Yeah. That way, uh, you know, you're getting off of picks more than players, because they've said they're not really they're yeah. they're thinking about you know it doesn't make a lot of sense to triple down on youth. I keep coming back to that. Yeah. I believe that fact that statement factors in with their current draft picks as well. I'd yep. be shocked if we have a first round pick in the 2023 NBA draft. You're absolutely right. And Jeremy Grant is he's number one on my free agent because he's a free agent. And so it'd have to be a sign and trade with Portland. Are they interested in that? That's if they're blowing it up. And they may not blow it up. They may still try and give Dane one more last run. But Jeremy Grant is at the top of my list. A couple other guys that I'm thinking about in free agents that that make sense that are hopeful, probably pipe dreams or a Harrison Barnes. He's a he's a free agent going to the offseason. Makes might, a lot of sense. I'm thinking way bit high higher class than Harrison Barnes. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking like realistic here. Like Harrison Barnes might be somebody we can get. Kyle Kuzma. Um, there, I saw Mason Plumlee's name come up to help oh, down low. Put me to sleep, please. But if we're talking pipe dream, dude, go get Jalen Brown. Go get like I want Demar Rose, DeRozan. I've been saying that since the trade deadline. I want Demar Derozan because the guy's a scorer and he can still defend well. He plays well and he brings that veteran leadership that you desperately need in that locker room. So Jeremy Grant in his one season in Portland uh, played in 63 games, started in all 63 of them, averaged 38 minutes a game. He averaged, uh, let's see, 20 and a half points per game on uh, 
see a two point percentage of 52 percent and a three point percentage of 40 percent yeah uh he is a big wing uh he is six eight two ten uh he fits the mold of what i would want to have at the wing i get that him or og either one because og was 38.7 so they're both in that same neighborhood as a three-point shooter my problem with jeremy grant goes back a few years if you remember he was in uh denver Mm -hmm. and he left denver because he wanted a bigger role Uh, on the team Mm -hmm. and so they shipped him to detroit and he would have rather played at Detroit for a bigger role than play for a winning team. And so he went and played loser basketball with Detroit. And then he went to Portland and played loser basketball this year. Not that he played like a loser. Yeah. But he was on a contender and left for a bigger role. So if you're coming to the Grizzlies and you're thinking that you're going to be the guy or the second guy, then you're wrong. Yeah. Not Jeremy Grant. Jalen Brown? Okay. Yeah. You, Not Jeremy Jalen, Grant. Jalen Brown quickly moves at the pecking order, and there is a lot of talk, especially if Boston gets ran early, that there's he's he might be one that they shop around um, to try and build around Jason Tatum with maybe somebody else through the draft. They get some first-round picks. Who knows? Uh, but, I, you know, obviously Jalen Brown, DeMar DeRozan are those pipe dreams. Jeremy Grant might be somebody more realistic that we could get along with the previously mentioned OG Ananobi. Right. I, um, OG is someone that keeps flying around and I'm not going to say it's a bad, I just can't speak knowledgeably. Um, let me, I'll look up his stats. I know you're a big OG fan. So won't you, I am, but at the same time, like I'll say this, I like, I, I like, I think it's a good pickup. I think it improves us at the wing, but I don't think that it's a, like a statistically significant. Is he better than Dylan Brooks? Absolutely. Is he going to be a better culture guy than Dylan Brooks? Outside of the off-court antics, I don't know. I, I, I Again, I think he would be an upgrade, but I don't know that he's the upgrade we need for what he's going to cost. He'll be cheaper now. Toronto had a ton of calls about him at the trade deadline. They're obviously going to want to move him in the offseason. It'll obviously be at a cheaper price, and so I like that better. I didn't like it for what we were going to have to give up for him at the trade deadline, but does it light my world on fire? No. Is there better out there? I think we could get better, but I think OG would be a solid pickup. So OG Ananobi averaged 16.8 points per game in 67 games. He shot uh, from the field um, 47.6% and from three, 38.7%. The thing with OG is that he's younger, too. Uh, mm-hmm. He will be 26 to start the next season, whereas Jeremy Grant will be 29. OG fits the timeline of John, Jaron, and Bain a lot better. Kind of fits in seamlessly, if we're being honest. Yeah. Um. And so that's that's cool. I mean, I could be excited about that. Uh, yeah. He only averaged uh, 13 field goal attempts per game. Mm-hmm. So it's really what you're wanting. Jeremy Grant's yeah. going to be a little bit more of a high volume shooter. Uh, Jeremy Grant this year averaged uh, how many field goal attempts per game? Fifteen. So three more shots. Yeah. Or two more shots per two game. Two more shots. Um, if you're looking for more role player, so you mentioned a lot of names too. Uh, my point of view on going to get players is you make 
the everybody tell you no first. You go yeah. make Boston tell you no, you know, yeah. for Jalen Brown. Um, and then you get to guys like you had mentioned with Spencer Dinwiddie doesn't do anything for me. I mean, he's a, he's a three and D guy. Yeah. He um, he's a good character, a locker room guy. Uh, on that team, I'd rather have Cam Johnson than anybody not named Mikael Bridges. Yeah. Uh, Bobby Portis. I would love Bobby Portis. Yeah. Uh, as a, he was a, uh, six man of the year candidate at Milwaukee, a, a four, a pro typical four shot over 40% from three, um, had a really awesome season, uh, from Arkansas. Um, and so that's who I would look at. What about Kyle Kuzma? Kuzma kind of fits in that same thing. Uh, Kuzma's more of a wing, I guess, more of a three than a four. As Bobby Portis is a four. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Kuzma was thirty-three from the from three, forty-five from the field. Uh, Average twenty-one points a game, seven rebounds. I mean, he can get some buckets. Um, yeah. So Bobby Portis is he'll be twenty-eight. He's a little bit older. He uh, averaged. He started in only twenty-two of the games. That's why he was up for sixth man of the year. Um, took 11 half shots per game, shot 40, uh, basically 50% from the field and 37% from three. Um, yeah. Averaged 14 points a game. How's his rebounding? Total rebounds. So he averaged 14 and 10 off the bench. Yeah. So that could also help with minutes in which Jaron's on the bench. Right. Or Steve O's on the bench. You know, you could go small with Portis, kind of like. You could go small. Where we went small with Xavier Tillman out of necessity, Bobby Portis mm-hmm. is better. Yeah. Uh, another name, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith. Not a bad pickup. I mean, yeah. DFS is a, a it's a solid role player. Yeah, I mean, he is what he is. You know, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith is not going to light the world on fire. You know, um, if you're going to go that way, you know, maybe Tim Hardaway Jr. is on the board as well. It's just a sharpshooter, a Grizzlies killer. You know, um, those are a lot of options. And honestly, uh, if we're being brutally honest and not a prisoner of the moment, uh, any of them are better than Dylan Brooks. And that's why everybody was like, well, who are you going to get that's better than Dylan? There's a lot of options that are better than Dylan. I agree. I agree. Um, But, yeah. Any other thoughts about the Grizz? Uh, Actually, yeah. Taylor Jenkins, man. Uh, We're we're both Taylor Jenkins fans. I'm going to preface that. Had a phenomenal re- regular season. Should have, was a coach of the year candidate, or at least should have been. Won 51 games, second seed in the East. Didn't love some of his playoff decisions. I'm not gonna lie. Well, it's we've kind of touched on this a little bit too. Uh, sure, there are things that you can do better, but you've got to play with a hand you're dealt. Mm-hmm. And this series did not go in our favor when it comes to our depth. You know. Our team is meant to spread you out and drive and kick, but you didn't have your best post player. They were sagging off of Dylan, and you couldn't replace him with anybody. I mean, it just didn't go our way. He did yeah. take a major shot today. I don't know if you saw the Steve Kerr quote about uh, how he was based on uh, how the Lakers' first-round opponent went. Is there anything that he would do differently? And he said, well, I probably wouldn't spend the first five minutes driving down to the lane and into Anthony Davis. And so that that hurt a little bit. But that's kind of the scheme. Like that's, that's the thing that Dylan Brooks killed so much is that those guys were able to stand in the paint. Like, sure. Okay, we'll make an adjustment. Else. 
make an but, adjustment. Make an adjustment. Like that, you we, you're paid as the NBA head coach to make an adjustment. It's clearly not working. Make an adjustment. Like you can say that that's on the players all you want. Call a timeout. Call something different. Make an adjustment. That was my thing. They missed open shots the whole time. There, if I'm if I'm critical about one thing, uh, that I think you're right about, is the adjustment to go to Kennard was done too late. Yes. But that was the adjustment, and he made it. In game four. I, I, that's the critical. That's that's the part that, that Again, I'm with you about. I'm a fan. I'm, a, I'm very pro Taylor Jenkins. He should be our coach for, for the foreseeable future. I'm not trying to get him fired. But he's got to be – he has to have a quicker trigger when it comes to rotations, player substitutions, or just a feel for the game. So well, many times – because you, uh, you can pin uh, it on the players all you want for those slow starts, but at, like – you got to make some adjustments to maybe get them out of that funk. Part, that's partially on the players for partying and laying out too much and not showing up ready to go to work. Part of that's on the coach not making adjustments and you recognize your guys are flat. I just um, – I think that we had open shots every game. We missed them every game. Yeah. And, yes, uh, we got more open shots when Luke Kennard was in the game, and he sure. should have went to him earlier. I'm with you. Um. But you got to remember where Taylor Jenkins comes from. He he's from the Popovich tree. Sure. Popovich didn't change for nobody. They ran their offense and they ran it better than you could run a defense against them. And the I just don't know that he's ever dealt with it before. That he was he was his scheme did not work. Yeah. His, I believe his scheme didn't work because his players weren't there and his players the scheme may have worked but the players didn't make shots. So both. But then he did make the proper he did make the proper change. It was just a little too late and then Luke got hurt. Yeah. So uh and 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 Taylor Jenkins did say that they are going to work and and Josh said it as well, that they were going to work on having more iterations or more wrinkles or more diversity in their offense. Yeah, because forward. like we said, like the drive is that that's our bread and butter, that's all we do. And Having a guy like Luke Kennard changes a lot of things. You just got to get more creative. So, right. so that's all I've got on the Grizzlies. Yeah, <clears throat> we're an hour and a half in. You know, I, I know uh, a lot of our listeners. If you're still here, man, God bless you because we have been yammering on about the Grizzlies for an hour and a half now. Thank you for sticking with us. Um, I know you want to talk about it. We'll briefly touch on college baseball real quick. Well, I mean, there's really only one thing that needs to be said. Two things, Two things. really. Two things. Yeah. Ole Miss won a series against Georgia. They walked off on Sunday uh, to win their first SEC series of the year uh, to get us to, uh, I believe it's 6-15. and 15. Uh, And also Mississippi State got swept by Tennessee. So uh, that's all we had. That's it for the podcast today, guys. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Nope. But that sweep from Tennessee did lead to a change that I thought needed to happen in the offseason. I'm a fan of it happening anytime um, at this point. Our season's over. We're not making the postseason. Scott Foxhall, your pitching coach at Mississippi State, was let go um, after just another pitching debacle. I mean, we scored 8, 10, and 11 runs and still lost ballgames to Tennessee. Most years, that's going to win you a lot of games, even in the SEC. But when you're – when your ERA is hovering around seven as a team, when you've already got 62 hit batters this year and you got more walks and strikeouts, like something had to give. I'm not in the camp to fire Chris Limonis yet. You fire the head coach, and there's still this massive risk that we're going to have a ton of transfers anyway, transfers out. But if you fire Chris Limonis, you can almost guarantee guys like Dakota Jordan and Hunter Hines, um, even Gerangelo may sniff the transfer portal. This might keep them a little bit longer, but 
last thing I'll say, uh, thank you for your service, Scott Foxhall. It was time for uh, a split, and we're going to have to hit the transfer portal hard to get a Friday night guy that we can count on because we don't have that. Yeah, um, you can't win an SEC without a solid starter. It's Ole Miss's problem this year, too. Uh, it, Xavier Rivas has done really good. He's at Friday nights now, and Grayson Sonia, who got yeah. demoted to midweek, had an incredible game on Sunday in a winner-take-all uh, game three against Georgia. He was incredible. Uh, and so, Chris Monis, this is you get to fire your assistants once. Yep. And uh, it was justified. I mean, you can't look at that team and see their batting numbers versus their pitching numbers and not fire the guy. Yeah. The timing's weird. I mean, obviously you fired him once you're no longer in postseason contention, but if you thought you could salvage it by firing him, you should have fired him a long time ago. Uh, and so to 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 solidify your being at home during the postseason uh, and then firing your coach seems a little backwards to me, but he, he is – we He's weren't gonna win with we weren't gonna make the playoffs with or without him. I mean, like at this point, we weren't gonna make the tournament. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But after the Ole Miss series, when you kind of have a faint heartbeat, yeah. if you think that firing the pitching coach might help this season, do it yeah. then. Yeah. But instead, they waited until the nail was in the coffin. You know. Yeah, just maybe and, scrapping it and trying again. And all I gotta say is, don't let the Rebs get hot. Jeez. Yeah. So if, chalk and finish, if we, not dead if last we go and 12 and 0 if we go 12 and 0 we're in the in in the uh, uh in the tournament yeah. and so uh all we've got to do is sweep alabama auburn missouri and uh a&m no no we've already played a&m do we have four series left or we just got three no we got three three okay alabama auburn and missouri yeah. Nine and zero gets you to fifteen and fifteen. Yeah, hmm. I'm telling yeah. you, this is the reason why I held on for so long. The fact don't get your hopes up, man. Stinks. I got my hopes up and 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 got crushed. So don't get your hopes up. Yeah, I'm not. The Cardinals are playing against uh, a pitching matchup. Uh, the Cardinals started Miles Michaelis. The Los Angeles Angels started Shohei Otani. And the Cardinals are winning. So Yeah, of course. That's usually how that goes. Go. Cubs are down two to one to the Nationals. Yeah. So. All right. That's all I got for the podcast tonight. Got anything else you want to add, sir? I don't have anything, uh, except for the fact that if Mississippi State needs a head ball coach, they will not be able to afford me. I'm coaching two I'm coaching my boys team and my girls team this year, and we are combined four and oh. So sorry, Mississippi State, but I'm gonna have to just fill out other offers. <laughs> Get it. So. All right. Well, that's it, man. Looking forward to next week. We'll come back at y'all next week. Same time. A lot of hot topics. The NBA season is over, so we'll talk more baseball. We'll talk some more offseason things we'd like to see. We'll obviously talk about the NBA playoffs, even though the Grizzlies are no longer in it. Um, and just keep you updated on all, all your sports news. Uncle Buck, tell them where to find us. Yeah, so you can find us on Facebook at the Two Buck Sports Podcast fan page. Uh, we're on Twitter and Instagram at the number two buck sports podcast and on YouTube at two buck sports podcast. Uh, also just keep listening on Apple podcast on Spotify, on Google play, wherever you find us. Uh, I will shout out our good buddy, Nick, uh, Aaron Ivy's wife, Nikki did mm-hmm. comment on her Facebook post asking us how we would react. Uh, I, I put out a poll just kind of asking for questions 
And she did respond with, what do we make of the um, Dylan Brooks saga after, you know, and we have discussed that. And so uh, we only discussed that, Nikki, because you asked us to. 100%. So there you go. Don't don't say we don't listen. That's it. All right, guys. See y'all back next week. Uncle Buck enjoyed it as always. Y'all be good. We'll see you here next week. See you, man. Bye.